You're not going to want to close your eyes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. Because on this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Aerosmith Music Videos. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters! Oh my god, is that your Steven Tyler? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Dan, was. we should have tied uh, scarves it- around our, our microphone stands. I'm just going to constantly wiggle uh, throughout the entire thing. Uh, no, uh, no. It, it, I mean, honestly, it sounded more like a like a, a Skeksy from The Dark Crystal. It did. Though, it really though, did. Although I have always felt that Steven Tyler resembled a Skeksy. Interesting. So, yeah. So Very not, sharp I've never thought features. Vocally. Yeah. Okay. Steven Tyler down down to the so hi everyone. It, welcome to Rune Childhoods. Oh hey, uh, hey, hey. I'm Dan. That's John. John. I think there's a dog there somewhere. They got a couple uh, dogs back here running around. A couple dogs, Rufio, Daisy. Anyway, uh what we do on this podcast is we talk about movies and specifically we address the question what is the best way to revive a certain property, a whether it's a franchise, a uh, a film, or you know a book that's been adapted several times into films, a la Little Women uh, that we recently covered, and just kind of what what can you do? What else can you do with this? And um, this this month of April, this very very. Uh, chaotic and tumultuous month of April for both John and myself. We are, we've decided, we decided we were, we decided we were going to swerve a little bit and pivot and uh, talk about cinematic music videos. Yeah. And um, we did a, uh, our last episode covered three of the many cinematic videos about uh based on Jim Steinman songs and actually my my one more thing uh-huh. this week is I I'm kind of kicking myself that we did not cover Dead Ringer for Love a duet between Meatloaf and Cher from oh. the the follow up to Bad Out of Hell Dead Ringer got it yeah well Maybe next year. <laughs> and uh, no, I, well, no, my, my one more thing also just to everybody listening is if you listened to that episode and you liked it, if you've never seen the video for Dead Ringer for Love, check it out. It, it's a fun song, too. And like, if you just think, wow, sh- early, early 80s meatloaf share duet, man, like can't go wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if I had to add one more thing about that episode, I should, I, you know, I listened back to some of it and I was thinking about it and I don't know if we really addressed this, but what's interesting to me about those particular music videos is that they are not for one particular group as you, as we, we have, we've mentioned that 
but they're all songs that are written by one person. But it's not like Jim Steinman had any say in the visual styles of these music videos or any of the production aspects of the music videos. And it just so happens that these music videos really just took this life of their own and became these like big productions uh less so well, for air supply but they had yeah. two music videos for the song both of which had plots that had nothing to do with the song and one of them that had nothing to do with the band altogether and so it's a really fascinating thing that for you know total eclipse of the heart and for i do anything for love but i won't do that you have a lot of these the same like visual style it's kind of got the same dna in it and it's very it's different directors it's you know jim steinman who wrote those songs certainly didn't have any say into what the music videos would be so right. it's just an interesting thing right but those all also those videos both had uh like movie directors it, you know michael bay directed i would do anything and he, even though that he wasn't a movie director he had not yet directed a feature when he made it uh he you know he he was on the verge of becoming a huge uh sure. you know yeah. feature film director so uh and then you had Russell Mulcahy, director of Highlander, right. uh, directing Total Eclipse of the Heart. So that that kind of explains that. I mean, man, imagine a Highlander themed Total Eclipse of the Heart video, like an epic duet battle. Like there could be only one. Um, and, you know, I'm curious. I'm checking out. I'm looking to see because I thought I read that Steinman directed one of the Making Love Out of Nothing at all videos i couldn't find out who directed the one that's about like the veteran and the and that thing that i i couldn't see where who did that one yeah i don't know it's wikipedia is not helping me out yeah. here but i do want to move on to what we're talking about this week with uh with aerosmith music videos because i feel like you know, I we're we're talking about late '80s, early '90s for these these particular songs that we're focusing on, and I will mention that we are doing one additional one that was not mentioned at the end of the last episode, and I uh, I will explain why once we start getting into that. But Aerosmith was a really fascinating one, and and especially in the the early '90s, they I mean they were around technically since the '60s, uh, the late '60s. And they're they're still active today, uh, maybe not so much in the in the ways that they were, you know, when when these songs are being made or when, you know, they but they had these like moments where they would like pop up and become like extremely relevant again. And, you know, like when Armageddon came out, there was the, they had this big moment and then uh, the album Get a Grip. Uh, which we're going to be talking a lot about on this episode was another one where it was just like so many hits on that album, including the ones that we're covering today, Living on the Edge. It was just like this huge moment for them. And it's a really fascinating band. You know, they are, they're technically like a blues rock band, uh, mixed with like a party rock band like Van Halen. And it's just really fascinating to see the different directions that they take when, depending on what kind of song they're writing or recording. And, you know, a lot of them that we're going to be talking about today are these ballads, but then they have these other ones that are just like 
innuendo central. And then they'll have some other ones that are just like straight up blue songs that maybe Steven Tyler isn't singing on. And it's just like, oh, this is a weird pivot for them. So anyway, but I feel like, yeah, that's but like you like you were saying, that's kind of I think more their their roots that they've gone back right. to. Like, I know, like they've and I'm trying to remember, like the last time that they really had like a, a moment uh, since Aeros since Aerosmith, since Armageddon. And uh, and I don't want to miss a thing. I'm sure like I know they've released albums like they're they they continuously record and and tour. I mean, I, I, I know they they take breaks, but yeah, like you said, they're they're still active, been active for a long time. Uh, I recall you being uh, oh, quite, yeah. quite an Aerosmith fan in your, in I, your youth. See, I was a really big Aerosmith fan and I want to credit it largely um sorry i'm just looking it looks like their last studio album was maybe 2012 music from another dimension um i don't remember that one but yeah i i was a i was a big fan and i think that a lot of it had to do with them being on like the wayne's world and wayne's world 2 soundtracks um specifically ask, wayne's yeah. world 2 where they you know make an appearance at wayne stock and yeah you know i I think that that's really where that really sparked me. Plus, uh, and that would have been 93 when uh, Get a Grip came out. And Get a Grip was also just like a huge album because everything was being played on the radio at the time. And when it came time to go to Sam Goody and pick out, you know, whatever <laughs> we we're allowed to get, you know, I that was definitely a cassette that I got. And I feel like also they had this like greatest hits album, which is so funny because like this greatest hits album that came out with like a this red cover with the like right. white, you know, and, and it's just like, oh, that came out before so many of their like huge hits that we would think of today. And, uh, you know, because they had so many, I mean, Get a Grip was their like 11th studio album. That's so wild. And what's interesting is you talk about how they kind of have these moments, these ebbs and flows. Yeah. So I remember I might have been the same age that you were in. In there's five and a half years between us. Age right. I was ten when Get a Grip came out. Okay. So, um, so then if we look at the era, so I would say I was a little bit older than that when, like, permanent. Uh, was it permanent vacation? Permanent vacation came out when you were ten. Pump, yeah, what or was on permanent vacation? on the cusp of becoming 10. It was, uh, was that like Ragdoll? Uh, permanent vacation, I believe, yes, had Ragdoll. Uh, that one, yes, that was Ragdoll. Dude looks like a lady, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was huge, and and like you said, it was that was when you know most people listened to one radio station and or like you flipped between like if you were in the new york area you you were listening to z100 and wplj sure maybe uh you know you go to q104.3 for classic rock mm -hmm. wcbs fm 101.1 for the oldies <laughs> um great radio great radio uh 102.7 for a while wnew anyway uh, but the point is, you'd listen to the, these top 40 stations and you'd hear 
uh, you know, meatloaf, I would do anything for love. Sure, yeah. And then you'd hear crying, you know, right after it, or amazing, yeah. or crazy, or it could be any of the three, and I would not Living know. on the Edge as well, living on, the same living time. Living on so. the Edge, or Weird Al's version, Living in the Fridge. Living in the Fridge, which is a, such a strange a strange parody for that one. Um, yeah, and then, you know, you mentioned Pump, which was 1989, and that's where, like, Love in an Elevator comes, and also the first song that we're going to be talking about today or the first music video we're going to talk about today Janie's got a gun and that's such um I don't know like that one was I feel like just like an instant hit and it's one that I hear people reference still to this day and uh it the music video was directed by David Fincher and yeah. I got to say, watching it now, especially alongside some of the other ones I'm going to be talking about, and also having known where David Fincher's career took him, I was like, it's not that, it's not that great. I can see, <laughs> you know, you can see the David Fincher style, like lots of shadows and, and just kind of like, you, you see his fingerprints on it quite a bit. Puddles. But- Puddles, yeah, definitely. Very puddles, reflections and puddles. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, it's just a music video. You're not gonna be able to get in dialogue or anything like that, but you know, it's kind of like it's told in non-linear order. It's all over the place time time-wise and uh um, lot of yeah, like a lot of hints at what's going on and right. Uh, I mean casting casting wise. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm just, I'm just looking this up now, but uh, was that, oh yeah, I was gonna say I was like, was that Leslie Ann Warren? That's as, Leslie Ann Warren, as, yeah, as the mother, as the mother, yeah. Nicholas Guest as the father, and uh, Kristen Dottillo as the daughter. Now, I always, I had always thought that he was like a like stepfather, mm. but but it no, it's like. Well, the, the father. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're listening to the lyrics here. of yeah. um, of the song, and you know, this song is about sexual abuse between a father and his daughter, and the lyrics are like, "What did her daddy do?" And uh, yeah, it's I uh, really shocking. Um, you know, especially in 1989 for th- one of the most popular rock bands <laughs> out there to have this song about such like a heavy, heavy topic. It's about this this girl who kills her father, you know, after he, you know It tells a it, it tells the story, yeah, of, of serious issues and things that people don't generally talk about and certainly generally don't sing or sing about in top forty rock songs. Although, or make music videos about. Although although when you, I started to think that, and I was like, "Wow!" I'm like, "That's really heavy." And then I'm thinking about songs like like Luca, um, mm. about child abuse, and um, Fast Car, which is about you know, not necessarily more neglect than abuse, um, but all of these storytelling songs of the late '80s and early '90s that I mean, Hazard to a lesser extent, yeah. Uh, um, but there were like those songs that 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 you know cut to the chase and were very straightforward about the issues uh that they were 
uh, that they were addressing. I mean, you could even say like Papa Don't Preach going yeah. back a, a few years, which I mean, I know David Venture directed a lot of Madonna videos. Maybe he, he true. did that one. Madonna and, and uh, the late, great Danny Aiello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, so, all right. Well, so, uh, so anyway, so Janie's got a gun. Um, yeah. So- I, I don't know, Dan. So... I feel like you were, I mean, this is 1989, so you were 12, not to like blast out all of our exact ages and everything, but like, uh, do you remember like seeing this music video when, I don't know if you were really watching MTV at the time. I mean, not at home. It would have to be at a family gathering. It would have but, uh, to be at a no, family gathering. I, I think by I think by that time. Oh yeah, no, 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 because this was I James don't know Foley you, directed the Papa Don't Preach music video. Sorry, I don't. Oh, James, a director of Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh, That's true. Yeah. So and fear. Uh, so I don't know if you remember this, but like at least in the early days of MTV, maybe not so much by the late '80s, but the early days of of MTV. You know, when I was, I, th- I think I was like five when MTV started, and uh, our our father uh, did not allow MTV in the house. We were not permitted to watch MTV. Uh, VH1, once it came along, I think was fine. But <laughs> we were not permitted to watch MTV. And the the only times that we really got to watch MTV were when we would like, you know, we'd be like the holidays and we'd go to something like we go to grandma and grandpa's and we hang out with the cousins uh, in the basement. And we right. were like, I remember that's how I saw like the uh, Weird Al Eat It video oh. was like in grandma and grandpa's basement watching MTV with, with the interesting. So that was, the, uh, yep. and if you are a, uh, an avid listener of the show, you will have, uh, heard, heard Dan talk about those same grandparents as the ones, uh, who took him to the ground round where he saw disorderlies for the first time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and there were boobies and grandpa was happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pour one out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so, okay. So, I, you know, I I feel like the MTV uh, moratorium. Sorry, I didn't uh, answer your question. I, I totally, let me answer oh, your no, no, question. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, I okay. remember it coming into effect a little bit during the, like, Beavis and Butthead era. Um, less so having to do with music videos, more so having to do with some of their original programming. Understood. Anyway, they still let you keep your Aerosmith cassettes. They sure did, yes. Vanilla Ice? No. Vanilla Ice got taken away from me uh, because of the of the very explicit lyrics that, uh, you know, weren't trying to hide anything. But Aerosmith, they got clever. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Anyway, so, no. It wasn't really on my radar. No, I was not um, a Aeros- really an Aerosmith fan. Um wasn't then, never really was. Uh, I think I can make a playlist of maybe, uh, I'm going to say I think I could push it to 10 Aerosmith songs that I will listen to. Okay. That I can tolerate. That's um, a, And that's a lot of songs. If you're talking about uh, like one band who's got, you know, that you don't all right. particularly I, care I, for with 10 I songs, would, that's, that's would, a good. All right. 
let me let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right now. Let's see if I can push it to ten. Okay, and I I'm not gonna take a lot of time with this. Okay. Okay. So we'll dream on, which you know was written oh, for uh, classic graduation ceremony, Berkeley uh, uh, College of Music. Um, where look how much you know about Aerosmith already. Well, and I learned that from my wife. Oh. Um, who attended Berkeley. So, all right, we got Dream On, Sweet Emotion, Walk This Way. Mm-hmm. The original, I might I might have to add the Run DMC to-, to We'll add a half. Ten. We'll add a half. Um, okay, so I got, we got those. Um, oh, God, let's see. What else? Uh, Dude Looks Like a Lady, which Classic. I know has not necessarily aged well, but- uh, you know, it, it's fun. Uh, I well, I'd have to reread the lyrics to that one because uh, actually, you know what? It might not it, it might not be so troublesome. Actually, now that I think about it. Uh, so so anyway, do that. Uh, Janie's got a gun, so that's that's five. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's five there. Um, I'll go. Uh, let's see, living on the edge. Okay. I'm going to go rag. I'll, I'll throw ragdoll in there. Okay. I remember that video, man, when you see that video, when you're like 10, 11, uh, and approaching puberty that you notice the ragdoll video, that one was very much <laughs> on my radar. Um, it's like the Billy Idol cradle of love video and George Michael's faith. Uh, so let's see, I'm at seven and I'm not, I'm not really like necessarily looking at track listings. So Am I forget like are, are there any like really obvious ones I'm forgetting? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you you covered sweet emotion. It looks like a lady, and you're kind of going in chronological order right now. I was kind of trying to, but yeah. now I'm, th- I'm like, there must be something else off like pump or permanent vacation that I that I know or that I like. I mean, you said ragdoll and dude looks like a lady. Those are kind of the big ones that were on. Um. And Pump on wasn't permanent there. Vacation. On Pump, we've got uh, Love in an Elevator. Janie's got to go. I'll throw gun. that one in there. I'll throw that one in there. Okay. It's great. It's a That's fun eight. song. All right. And then we haven't even gotten to Get a Grip yet. Well, well, you said Living on the Edge already. So That's the only one off Get a Grip. You're not a fan of Crying Amazing and Crazy? No. Interesting. So nope. get a grip. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about. Uh, so that one's got "Eat the Rich," which is a fun song. Uh, "Shut Up and Dance," which is another fun song, which was on the Wayne's World Two soundtrack. Um, and then we've got uh, "Crying Crazy," "Amazing," uh, and and you're not even going to throw in "Don't Want to Miss a Thing." No. I feel like if it hadn't been for the Armageddon of it all, I would consider that a better song. I still don't. Actually, like, the only reason why I ever, the only context in which I like that song is in Armageddon. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just not an Aerosmith fan. It's not. That's fine. this This is not something, this is not like other bands where I'm like, why the fuck does anybody like them they're terrible it's it's just like it just doesn't click with me aerosmith so um you know all due respect to that they're clearly like you know fucking talented ass sure, musicians yeah. so 
uh, you know, all all due respect to Aerosmith and Aerosmith fans, mm-hmm. I I am just I'm I can't pretend to be an Aerosmith. That's fan, fine, you know. Yeah, you know. Um, never owned, didn't even own that that red covered Aerosmith's greatest <laughs> hits that like covered up to like 1980. He's yeah. always in like the bargain, the bargain sure. bin. Well, you always knew you could nice, borrow it from me. Nice price. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh we're going to talk about three these three songs from uh from Get a Grip which is the they're the Alicia Silverstone trifecta. And and this is mind you 2 years before Clueless comes out. So this is for most people an introduction to Alicia Silverstone. Well, who to Amy Heckerling, this was the intro- Amy Her- director of oh, Clueless. Is is this how she discovered Alicia Silverstone? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading I love that. A, uh, a Rolling Stone article and um yeah, I mean she just she saw like the she saw the, you know, I think like the performance in uh-huh. these the, I, I like different are they different characters? Well, let's let's talk about yeah. that after we get uh we we get past uh, crazy because that's going to be yeah. The one why that don't you? I mean, you want to throw out some synops- synopsis? Sure. Yeah. Go, um, go for it. So, crying, a heartbroken young woman played I by Alicia Silverstone. When I met you, now I'm dying of. A- Is that crying or crazy? Wait. I was crazy. Yeah, that's crying. No, I met. Oh, did I- fuck! I no. got it right. All right. Yeah, you got it right. All right, awesome. so a heartbroken young woman played by Alicia Silverstone is trying desperately to move on from a breakup with a man with whom she had a passionate relationship, Stephen Dorff. After making some moves to rebuild her life, covering up a half-heart tattoo and getting a navel piercing, but her most transformative moment comes when Sawyer from Lost steals her bag at a diner and she manages to catch up to him and kick him to the ground. And in her final moment of recovery, she appears to be about to jump off a bridge onto a major highway, but when her ex tries to talk her off the ledge, she jumps backwards and reveals herself to be bungee jumping. She concludes by giving her ex a big, fat, cathartic middle finger. It's a really fun music video, and without even saying a word, Alicia Silverstone delivers an awesome performance, and... uh, I, you know, for anybody who remembers her most from Clueless, you know, wearing the like Beverly Hills style outfits and stuff like that, here is this like grungy young lady just like totally owning it. And um, yeah, she's awesome. Just kind of on her own and and owning it. Yeah. So, so kind of, you know, ignoring the song and, and, and focusing on, on the video here. Couple of things to say about the video. First of all, wouldn't it be something if this video turned out to be like it was a flashback from Lost, and it was like, <laughs> it, like one of those, you know, when we see Sawyer, like you know, getting into his life of crime. And jo- all that. Josh Holloway, I believe. Right? Josh Holloway. Yeah. Yes. We don't really uh, hear from him much. I mean, does he do television? Yes. I know he was in one of the Mission Impossible movies briefly. Yes, he was. He yeah, he was at the like in the beginning of. I think that was Ghost Protocol. Protocol. It might have been Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, not not Mission Impossible Three, which J.J. Abrams directed, uh, which is very good. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the villain. That is correct. So, 
Anyway, getting back to these videos. So first of all, I was like, man, what if this was like a, a like Sawyer backstory here? And huh. robbed a person, ended up getting drop kicked on a sidewalk. Yeah, it's in a music you know, video. It, she drop kick. She actually drop kicks him. She does kind of drop kick him. Yeah. So uh, I feel like this music video just like for people. And definitely my age range, Dan, I don't know if people so, so much your age, like this music video resonated as much, but like, it was so memorable and it really just kind of like sent this shockwave through like, I don't know, just kind of like the, the MTV viewership of the time. Oh, I would say it definitely resonated with members of, of my generation of like you know my 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 age group my demographic Mm -hmm. i I just not with me specifically yeah but i mean because like look i was in high school and uh you know the eight like alicia silverstone is i think you know maybe a year or two older than me Mm -hmm. but you know she was playing those characters and that you know that we were seeing that that we were watching and we and yeah, that whole uh, that whole idea of just, you know, flipping off the, you know, neglectful boyfriend when yeah. he just expects you, which, by the way, watching this on watching the Vivo uh, yeah. version of the music video, I think was the first time I ever actually saw the middle finger uncensored. Yeah, they uncensored. Yeah, <laughs> I was I had a moment when I watched it. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, they they used to censor that out. I'm like, I feel like I remember that being censored out with like silly little like a cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing of her like jumping off of the bridge and like the bungee jumping. There was something that was very like Gen X about it. That was just like it felt like something that would have never come from. Uh, I don't know. Something just just a few they years don't, before. They like, don't do that in Rebel Without a Cause. No, no. It just came, like, it was very much of its time. Well, and... Bungie jumping was very, like, 1990s. That was when, like, that was Yeah, yeah. And uh, just, like, the, the attitude of it all, getting the navel piercing, uh, oh, that kind of thing. Like So, so mid-90s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know, it just felt really, uh, like kind of one of those uh tentpole cult pop culture pieces that stands out as being like you know like a real time capsule moment yeah i mean i this whole like trilogy of videos i would say is and without alicia silverstone and i mean and to to a you know a greater also like these videos I don't know that the album would have been as successful. I don't know that these songs are necessarily memorable without the, I mean, I guess they are because people really like these songs, but I'm like, other than the videos are what make them memorable. Well, yes. I mean, they, the the songs themselves. And I, and I did listen to the album uh, the other day and there was something, and, and I don't, it's really difficult to really gauge exactly how I feel about it. I feel about these songs just as songs themselves, because, you know, when you listen to these songs, you visualize aspects of the music video in your head. And 
it was really hard to shake that for me. But also it's like there are these, you know, these ballads, these like epic songs that have like strings and harmonica and like they're they're these big productions. Actually, I'm curious to see who produced uh Get a Grip. Um Jim Steinman. <laughs> uh it was produced by why can't I find that? Uh oh wait, I just had it. Bruce Fairbairn. Okay, interesting. Uh did Slippery One Wet? <laughs> um okay. okay. All right. Permanent that, that vacation. Works. Yeah. So interesting. Um it's it's just one of those albums that feels so tight. And if you look at the like track listing, it's not like it's all like front loaded with all of the hits. Like Crying Crazy and Amazing are tracks nine, eleven, and thirteen. Uh Ooh. yeah, it's just like that's usually where you put kind of like the the tracks that it's like, uh, eh, well. Joe Perry wrote this one and he really cares about it or something like that, you know, something like that. <laughs> but, um, Oh, actually, uh, amazing. Well, let's, we'll get to that one. But, uh, crying was written by Steven Tyler, Joe Perry and Taylor Lawrence Rhodes. So I guess TLR. he's just, what's that? TLR. TLR. I worked yeah. with Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Celine Dion, Hillary Duff. That's interesting. Yeah. God. Who's who? Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, Dan, you were talking about the the censorship uh, in, like, the Vivo music video of The Middle Finger. When that clip comes up in the music video for Amazing, it is censored in the version that's online. Because Amazing takes place in the Cryin' verse. <laughs> So in Amazing, a young man, Jeremy London, is transported into his vis- into his virtual reality fantasy world and accesses clips from the Aerosmith mu- music video for Cryin'. He enters the world of this music video and saves Alicia Silverstone's character from her troubled life as they go on a motorcycle trip, hitchhike on a stunt plane, and then eventually skydive slash snowboard together. But what we come to discover is that his version of reality is actually... Um, a virtual world as envisioned by Alicia Silverstone. So it's an Inception VR trippy thing where like she Within is a her VR is of some guy in his messy bedroom using VR to go into the crying music video and like change her mood and make out and like uh, prematurely ejaculate. I believe is the uh, the insinuation that happens when he spills the uh, soda on the keyboard, and they uh, have to wait for his refractory period before they continue their motorcycle ride, <laughs> something like that. I mean, I would say it, it's very on brand for Aerosmith to have you know the <laughs> spilling of soda yeah. at at an inopportune moment uh, be representative <laughs> of premature ejaculation. Yeah, right. Yes. Oh, or God. like I'm I I was I I mean. The, I guess maybe it just would have been too obvious to have it be uh, like a soda bottle opening and erupting. Yeah, totally, totally. With with, with Viz. Um, but no. But hey, you know, whatever. I guess 
that's why I'm not directing. The <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, speaking of which, Marty Kallner is the director for both the Cryin and Amazing Music videos. So hats off to. Did uh, he not direct Crazy? Um, did he do crazy? He did do crazy. He did do crazy. We haven't gotten to crazy yet. Oh, no, but man, uh, that's the, uh, well, is it, is there supposed to be a specific order? I guess. Well, I thought that crying made the most sense to start with because crazy, I feel is a completely different person. We'll get to crazy in a second. We'll get to crazy in a second. Okay. But talking about amazing. Uh, this is one where it's also so early 90s. And it's like, now we have the virtual reality stuff in a <laughs> in a mainstream way. And the fact, it's such an interesting thing that like in the early 90s, there was this idea that virtual reality was going to be this thing. We had the Lawnmower Man and there are all these other like movies and, and things like that where like VR was like, this is it. We're on the cusp of this new thing. And it, it's like, and then it just kind of disappeared. And then a few years ago, it just really came back where it's just like, all right, we figured it out. Now we're ready. It's like, oh, remember that thing that was kind of like goofy a while ago? Well, no, now we got it for real. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the organization that I work for, which is called uh, Pam Cut, it's the Portland Art Museum Center for an Untold Tomorrow. Uh, I am the uh, associate director of creative programs there, and we're about to launch our next round of uh, what we're calling VR to go. So it's kind of like uh, VR headset rentals that are preloaded with like a curated selection of titles that, you know, you can take it home for either a weekend or like a Tuesday to a Thursday and just kind of like watch some cool VR stuff. And, um, this is the world that uh, Alicia Silverstone and Jeremy London uh, are are living in um, in 1993 in a in a different way. And then you know, of course, we have the band playing in settings that kind of match with what kind of vibe we're going for. He, Steven Tyler's kind of like in the in the like the Jamiroquai virtual insanity yeah. tunnel at one point. Yeah. Virtual insanity. That's another one that That's like another, it's a reference yeah. to virtual reality. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, what year did that come out? That was probably ninety eight. Right. Yeah, that was probably a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. I was senior in college, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's really fascinating how like the idea of virtual reality was like. God, the, it, the, so the hype then was so much bigger than it is now. Probably just because now it seems just so like. Hmm. Do I get the Vive? Do I get the HP? Do I get the Oculus? And then that is with the metaverse and, you know, and it's like all this stuff that just seems so mundane <laughs> that like in 90, 93 would have been like, oh my God, we're in the metaverse. That kind of a thing. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, no. And it's funny because I said a moment ago, like, oh God, I like, you know, the 90s were great. And, uh, you know, acknowledging that in so many ways, the 90s. For a lot of people, the 90s were yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> no, and things have definitely improved. But when I said, like, I just, you know, those were those the formative years. The 90s for me were middle school, high school, college. Yeah. Like that was, then I graduated college in 1999. Uh, I started middle school in fall 1989 right. so the 90s were those formative years so i just have like a sick amount of uh of nostalgia for them 
but um <laughs> it's it's funny to think about like talking about like you know CDs and I remember people having the CD of Get a Grip mm, and like yeah. oh wow oh, look at that album cover with the cow's udder the cows the pierced cow's udder like yeah. that was such a with with the Aerosmith logo I think on so the brash it, it was like branded onto the udder it was definitely one of those album covers that I don't know was it was so extremely of its time just like these music videos like it just fits so perfectly as like a time capsule like uh, it's 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 amazing it's amazing amazing <laughs> all right so, uh, crazy yeah so uh, crazy, crazy so let's talk about crazy day. uh which is also directed by marty Callner. and uh this is the the third of the uh alicia silverstone aerosmith trilogy uh that also features Liv tyler steven tyler's daughter as we all know but at the time i feel like it was mysterious and um then after seeing this kind of stuff that she does in this video, you're just like, that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird that Steven Tyler's daughter is doing this. Uh, yeah, no. Th and there's a lot of stuff that kind of rings the that's that's ah, that's a little off bell in this video. It's very much. I mean, like, are they in high school? All right, Dan, here we go. <laughs> Two girls sneak away from their private high school and take off on a road trip. They use their feminine wiles to get a bunch of snacks, shades, and pinwheels for free and reward the convenience store clerk with what we can assume is a salacious photo booth photo series. They then win a $500 prize in an amateur striptease contest. After a night at a motel, they continue their adventure by convincing a local farm worker to join them for a dip in a nearby swimming hole. After they convince him to strip down to his birthday suit, they steal his clothes and continue on their journey. Now buck-ass naked, the farmer catches up to them and hops in their car. They pass by the tractor he had been driving, and an aerial shot reviews and an aerial shot reveals that it was coasting in a way that spells out the word crazy and perfect cursive. So the striptease scene has so first we see them preparing for it, which it's just like, what kind of a place has like a dressing room like this? But Alicia Silverstone is getting into this like business suit attire, and she's just there as kind of like a a patron, an audience member. And Liv yeah. Tyler and we see her kind of like eyeing Liv Tyler getting changed in the mirror and you know, kind of given given her the eyes. And then Liv Tyler uh, is the one doing the 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 stripper routine, and uh, it's wild. <laughs> and she's kind of dancing like Steven Tyler. Well, I mean, you know, genetics. I mean, which yeah makes makes sense. But you know, and the, there was also the scene. I I mean. I just I, and just thinking about, I guess, just being more aware of, you know, especially how like uh, young women are, you know, presented on film. And this video starts with like a low angle shot of Alicia Silverstone, like coming out of the bathroom, like what, like kind of picking a wedgie. She's, well, no, no, no. She's sneaking out of the window of what we can assume. No, is the first the shot bathroom. is she's walking out. No, before that, she's in the hallway. Uh, right, 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 right. Yes, but and like then as she's leaving, skirt, like out of her ass yeah. crack. 
There's definitely, yeah, it is an extremely suggestive. And then they do all that shit at the gas station with the old pervy dude. Yeah, that guy is a total perv. Oh, yeah, like, God, where's Janie with her gun? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, but they are encouraging it and they're not doing anything to, oh, t- you know. I mean, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, this was, it was, this was totally, this, these videos were eye can't these were eye candy for teenage boys. Yes. And I remember at the time there was a you know because this is pre-internet uh or like very early internet there was this question about Alicia Silverstone also being uh Steven Tyler's daughter. I remember that was like a rumor that was going around kind of like the uh um, you know, what's his name from the Wonder Years, Paul from the Wonder Years being Marilyn Manson. Like, oh, that right. was, you know, it was uh, amongst those types of like rumors where nobody could verify anything. So <laughs> you just had to trust somebody. So, John, uh, did you know that there is a director's cut of this video? Dan, I, I can read Wikipedia. <laughs> did you watch it? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, no. I know I can read Wikipedia, but I I just did so in the moment. And uh So There's a longer strip scene. Yeah. And it removes the scene where they abandon the farmer after they're skinny dipping with him and he like jumps into their car naked and like does blow with them. Oh, does he do blow with them? I think I missed well, that. He does there's definitely a moment where he's doing like doing like kind of smiling and like raising his eyebrows and like rubbing his nostril mm. and it looks like it look like we don't he's not he has done the blow. It had the blow has been done. Got it. But we get the, the blow has been blown. It is implied that blow has been blown. In in the ba- in this moving convertible, by the way, which uh, anyone who's seen True Romance knows, uh, <laughs> <that> <laughs> doesn't work that way. That Bronson Pinchot could no. tell you right now. Yeah, so it's this is one of this is a really interesting one also because there's a moment when they're driving and they are like listening to and singing along with the song Crazy. So yeah. uh, the others the other ones haven't acknowledged the music playing and this one it is it exists in their world and they are lip syncing or singing along to it well but what about in amazing where jason london is it jeremy london or jason which the one from dazed and confused uh right he's wasn't it jeremy watching the video is he watching he's watching the crying video right so right. he's acknowledging, right, he's not acknowledging the same song. Jason London, sorry. Jason London. Did I say okay. Jeremy London before? But both Londons were, uh, you know, prominent in the in the 90s. Right. But Jason, th- this London was the one in Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. And Mallrats. Right. So, um, you know, I guess the, the, more, the better known of the London twins. Yeah, but you know, Party of Five, uh, also in Mallrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So great. Uh, so what? Uh, what do? You, so what? Wait, what are wait. You doing? Jeremy London starred in Mallrats. 
Yeah, J- well, wait. The same one who was in Mallrats was in Dazed and Confused. All right, so Jason London. Because <laughs> Dazed and Confused and Mallrats, like, basically shared a cast. That's true. Yeah. Uh, the Gramercy, no, no, uh, you know. Wait, hold on. Okay. Jason London was in Dazed and Confused. I'm okay. not asking you, I'm telling you. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, Jeremy. So that is not Jeremy London who is in Mallrats. Is is it the same London? Is it Jason London who's in both Dazed and Confused and Mallrats? No, Jeremy. Jason. Jason. God, London. Why do they both have J names? Jason London. This okay. This is the line from Wikipedia. Is an American actor known for his roles as Randall Pink Floyd in director Richard Linklater's film Dazed and Confused. And so then Jeremy London's says, his American actor is best known for uh, Party Five, Seventh Heaven, da 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 da, uh, a starring role in the 99 comedy film Mallrats, as well as notable blah, 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 blah. So they're twins. So, you know, it's, it I makes sense. I guess I always just assumed it was the same one because I there's so much too. crossover between those casts. Yeah, I did too. Anyway, that's, that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> Apologies if I said the wrong London when uh, describing amazing. Right. So he's watching the crying music video. So, but in crazy music video, they're singing the song crazy when they're in the car. Yes. Yes. That is, yeah, just that's whack. And I think that crazy is also the one where it starts and you see Steven Tyler wearing that like, you know, masquerade mask that like, and he's like, slithering around and stuff like was that. that was that crying was that crying like wearing, or like, crazy the, the porcelain mask oh yeah maybe that was crying uh <sighs> they, they, they all they kind of Wait, blend together they know ex- because crazy was the one crazy is the one that starts with alicia silverstone with the crazy is the one with alicia silverstone and Liv tyler so steven tyler does not wear the porcelain doll like kabuki mask in okay in that one so i so it must be Crying. God, I'm, con- I'm confusing crying and crazy and Jeremy and Jason London and like, Jeremy Pearl Jam. What? That's a well, good music oh, video. That was, fuck, that was another song that I was going to say covered. Um, oh, uh, a very serious topic. Very serious. Actually, it's a song that like there was some because uh, te- I, te- you know, uh, teach in Seattle and because the, the that, you know, Jeremy was a real person. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, a teen who had some serious mental health problems and, and committed suicide. And, uh, you know, they they played Jeremy one day as like hallway passing music during classes. And there were a couple of teachers who were like, ah, that's a little tactless. Interesting. We play like we have music. We have we have hall. We have music on for passing. They have a they have like a, a CD, like a shelf CD stereo system in the main office and hmm. oh i brought in a whole shitload of cds uh just to hear like you know g- good stuff during uh during i don't think we had aerosmith but it's we did meatloaf we did meatloaf uh the, after the day after meatloaf died okay all right yeah yeah no the day no. the music died the day the day the meatloaf died uh so dan <laughs> What would you do with the Aerosmith uh, music video? If they asked you, 
make it part two to a video. No. Um, I, I was, I was like the virtual reality. I'm like, wouldn't it be, I was thinking about all the Aerosmith videos and I was like, what if you could do like a, a virtual reality experience of Aerosmith videos and like be in the Aerosmith videos? <laughs> interact right. and you know you could you could steal an Aerosmith vr experience would be really cool i was like i was thinking about it and i guess that would be probably the most the most fun thing to do with it uh i mean i'm sure if if there if it hasn't been done already it will like some type of like Aerosmith jukebox musical that somehow uses these characters i could see that I I could see something like that happening, mm-hmm. but I I think a a virtual reality experience. Uh, I mean, I although I don't know. Do you really want to be like the cop investigating? Like Janie's got a gun, right? I, and I feel like in certain circumstances, you'd have to say like, this does not include every music video. This does not include Janie's got a gun, but the crying amazing crazy trilogy right I, even though and and i i know that you asked this earlier but i it is my interpretation that the alicia silverstone in the crazy music video is not the same alicia silverstone that is in the crying music video and to that effect I, the amazing music oh, video at least until the very end because i was gonna I, say oh no go ahead, go ahead i was gonna say because uh the crazy version of alicia silverstone would not be acting the way that crying Alicia Silverstone is necessarily acting. That's why I think that that crazy is like the part one is the, you think crazy is part one because I think that Alicia Silverstone in that one is lesbian. I think that she's, no, I, I think that she and Liv Tyler's character are if not together, then definitely, and not to say that she can't be bisexual, but I think that in Crying, she's, when you see her in the movie theater and she sees Steven Dorff making out with someone else, she looks way too forlorn to be this like extremely confident, uh, reckless version of her, of that. But, but I think this is her, this is like her high school. This is her rebellious time. And I think maybe part of the story that we're missing, and maybe this is the answer to the question here, Ooh. is what happens to the to their friendship between crazy and crying and amazing. Uh, I'm sorry, it's crying and amazing. And what happens, like, is that maybe like, what's the falling out? Maybe it's not Alicia Silverstone who's who's gay maybe it's Liv Tyler and then maybe when Alicia Silverstone was like oh I just thought we were like just like kind of having fun and being like you know free and independent and enjoying our youth and Liv Tyler was like no I took that shit seriously um but the way it would be interesting the way that she looks at Liv Tyler through the mirror when she's getting changed is definitely very like hubba hubba well, right, no, it's horny, but like they're teen, like it's also, but the, and then they're there, and also lies the another issue with this video is is they're like, hey, like, we, like yes, it's eye candy for teenage boys, but like, uh, it's it's all oh. older men who are making these videos. And, well, and, that's true. I mean, that's yeah. something else. That's that's an entirely different thing. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, so so thinking about. Uh, about that, I just I wonder like what happens, and maybe Alicia Silverstone's ah oh, that was a phase, um, 
And or maybe like maybe the untold part of this story is also that her experiences like maybe maybe crying and amazing are her learning that um that maybe no like you know men are just not like maybe it's she's like i'm going to try i'm i am going to you know I'm going to have some boyfriends and maybe it's like, man, I just keep getting like going out with like Steven Dorf and, uh, and, and I mean, she gives him the finger and maybe that's her just flipping off guys in general. The only guy that she can have a successful relationship with, uh, seems to be the virtual reality world. Yeah. He's one of the London boys. (laughs) Yeah. Job London. Uh, yeah another j name so maybe so maybe that's it i was uh, you you could get Liv tyler i would love to get like Liv tyler and alicia silverstone together and not for like a film or a show or something but they should revive their characters like in a play i would love hmm. to see a play just with the, like their characters where they reunite and they get back together and they're you know they're much older it's like oh well where's life taking you and it's like ah yes remember that time um, we were both broke, you know, I don't <laughs> Well, Dan, that yeah. was my, not a play, but my idea was, first of all, we need, we need a new Aerosmith album. We need a new, you know, Aerosmith song that, what? Need is a. No, we do. It's, it's not there... Fiona Apple. Oh, come on. Look, they, they might be a little geriatric. But I feel like they've still got they still got some juice left in there. They can definitely bring it home. And because what we need is one more music video that's looking at these characters at their life together now. Because the way that I saw it is that Alicia Silverstone and Liv Tyler's characters were in a romantic relationship together. And what if, you know, that did last and we see them now and their lives are completely different. They're mundane. They have, you know, uh, maybe not grown children of their own, but certainly older children of their own from, you know, adoption or maybe Stephen Dorff or who knows. But also, Dan, put your close your mouth for a second. Let me finish here. And then what they decide to do is recreate this like cathartic moment from their youth where they like broke out from their, you know, private school and they like had this raucous debaucherous weekend and they, um, and they just try to go back and like recreate that special time for them. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. So I will see your recreate that special time and I'm going to up it and I'm going to say, what if this reunion is spurred by Aerosmith's final album, this this album that they're going to release? Let's say it's their final album and their farewell tour. And they say, we're going to we're going to follow Aerosmith. We're going to go on the road with with Aerosmith and we don't have to sneak out anymore and like we're just gonna and that way it kind of like works in the the appearances by the band and it promotes the album and then you also have this this story and and in in going on the road they recreate 
those moments. They have those opportunities. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like if there was another Aerosmith music video with Alicia Silverstone, you'd get all the people who's like, you know, who had their like, I don't know, uh, time capsule moments with these particular music videos. Like, uh, you'd get their attention. It's it's great well, marketing. <laughs> It's actually it, it's actually like perfect because it's it's kind of exactly what you know when we talk about all of these like fan service reboots and all of these you know oh we're going to get the original cast back of this and we're going to do yeah. that and it fits that does fit perfectly yes Perfect. Gen X, uh, I guess. I guess like uh, the younger Gen X and the older millennials love nostalgia, love '90s nostalgia, and you know the '90s are such like a, I don't know, an in vogue thing right now that you know people are are loving. And if the Aerosmith, <laughs> if the Aerosmith uh, music videos ever become part of that resurgence of like retro nostalgia then something like that would do really, really well. And I saw you know, actually, uh, I, I don't, I think it's Liv Tyler is on TikTok, and I saw a video, I guess there's some, some theme park that has an Armageddon thing. Oh, is that yeah. Universal that uh, has Armageddon? I would think it would be Disney. Oh, does Disney? Well, Armageddon I was a touchstone. Oh, it was touchstone. So maybe it's yeah. a Disney thing. I don't know where, but. Armageddon has some sort of thing and I she was with her dad and he was like going up because they have all the different characters like posters up and he like finds hers and you know and he's just like his crazy Steven Tyler self and I I do feel like he's kind of like the guy who you see on stage is is him like that's who he is yeah absolutely yeah right how could he be any other way (laughs) What's also kind of amazing, amazing about uh, a band like Aerosmith, and I don't know what most of those guys are are like now, but like in this era, especially of like this this music, a lot of these guys, like hard rock, I guess you could say, they were all so like muscular and physically fit. It's absolutely insane like you know we're coming off of an episode where we talk about meatloaf and air supply where you know they they look like regular people and then we go to um this band that where it's just like you they just look like rock stars and yeah and it's just like what are they like working out while they're like between writing and recording music that's just such a weird thing to think about is like somebody who knows how to read music also like knows how to pump iron. I, I know it's, it is, it is, it's, it's, it seems to be an anomaly yeah, or not, not, not an idiosyncrasy. It's crazy right? and it's amazing. It's amazing. And thinking about it, it's got me crying. Ah, uh, geez. Well, Janie's got a gun. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, uh-huh. Janie's got All a gun right. doesn't really fit in with, no, no, not not really. But uh, so we're we're gonna get back to uh, it's it's gonna be May. Uh, I'm not saying that to invoke the Justin Timberlake. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, just saying uh, we're gonna get back to talking about some some movies, 
And uh, our our first uh, movie that we're going to talk about in May is a, a a favorite of ours. Yeah, uh, and it, uh, it it's it's especially uh, fitting as I've just you know welcomed a new uh, new baby in into my family. Uh, that we are we're gonna be talking about Ron Howard's 1989 comedic dramatic hit Parenthood. I'm so excited. I'm so the cast when you start, you can't stop. We're Steve. gonna start. Diane Weist. All right, Keanu hold on. Can Reeves, we just go back? Hold on, Joaquin hold on. No, no, no. Can we go back Lee and Phoenix. forth? Oh no. Oh. Can we just go back and forth? Let's just go back and forth. Well, why don't I just here? Wait, wait. I'll do All that right. particular family unit. And then oh, you can go okay. to a different family unit. So right. we got Diane Weiss, Keanu Reeves, Leaf Phoenix slash Joaquin Phoenix, and Martha Plimpton. All right. Then you've got Steve Martin. Yes. Mary Steenburgen. Uh, I mean, and- uh, The Virgin the, Mary. The, you know I love the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary. Uh, you know, Steve Martin and Mary Steenburgen. That's pretty much it in that. Uh, I mean, they're kids, but they're- uh, uh, That's that's pretty much it. Steve- Steve Martin, Mary Steenburgen. Yeah, then you got uh, Rick Moranis, and I don't remember who plays his counterpart. Harley Jane Kozak. Oh, okay, there you go. Uh, so Rick Moranis, Harley Jane Kozak. You've got Jason Robards. Jason Robards. As the family patriarch. You've got Tom Hulse. Tom Hulse. As, as the, uh, the youngest son. Um, you've... Got uh, Dennis Duggan, who we've yeah. uh, talked about before, uh, is in there as Steve Martin's boss. Uh, Helen Helen Shaw, a uh, classic Hollywood Helen Shaw is as Grandma. Grandma, yeah. He's got some great moments. Uh, I wonder who was president when she was born. Whatever. We'll talk about it another time. <laughs> I, anyway. I can tell you, but I'm not, I am not going. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I feel like we're missing. I, I just. I oh, feeling, there's like, so many more. There's so many oh, more. I mean, Clint Howard. Has Clint Howard, great, of course. A great Clint Howard appearance in, in this. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm certainly really excited to talk about this. You know, a lot of people are maybe more familiar with the more recent television series, but uh, we will get to that on the next episode of Ruined Childhoods. And Dan, as you are bungee jumping off of a highway overpass, I wish you a good journey. Oh, I'm crying, John. You have a crazy, amazing journey. Okay, you gotta go.